So John chapter one, we'll be in John chapter one today. Um, once you're there, let's stand and read this together. Um, John chapter one. I'm going to start a, uh, going to start a three week sermon today. Um, going to start the sermon today. Going to finish a little bit, going to go through a, li- go through it a little bit more, um, next Sunday and then going to finish it off at our Christmas Eve service. Um, also welcome everybody on live stream. John chapter one, going to read verse one through, or going to read verses 14 through 18. Um, I'll read it from the screen. Uh, John says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him. That's another John, John the Baptist. John bore witness about him and cried out. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Uh, For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the only God who is at the father's side has made him known. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for thank you for this reality that John's testifying to. Thank you that you. You've made yourself known to us. Amen. Help us to know you more today. Reveal yourself to us. We want to know you today. Amen. You can you can have a seat. You familiar with the song? Um, Let me tell you about my best friend. You know that song. Uh, that that's what John's doing in this text that we just we just read. He's He's telling us about his best friend. We know for sure that John was Jesus's cousin. Um, and there are a lot of people who, or we know for sure that John was Jesus' best friend. And there are a lot of people who think John was also possibly Jesus's cousin. And so John, he pins these, these four or five verses that we just read in this whole gospel. And this is his attempt to write to churches in probably Asia at the time. And he's saying, Hey, let me tell you about my best friend. Um, so, so what I want to do today is I want to, I want to look into this, this conversation that John's starting with us about his best friend. Um, John, he's going to tell us, uh, one, who his best friend is. He's going to tell us what, uh, he and his boys call his best friend. Uh, John's going to tell us what his best friend did. And John's going to tell us what his best friend did when he did what he did. Does that sentence make sense? We're, we're talking two planes. He did a thing. And while he did a thing, he was doing some things. So, so, so John, that, and that's going to be this conversation we're going to have over the next few weeks is what his best friend did when he did what he did. So, so I just want to run through this, see if we all caught it. Cause I think when we catch this, we'll, we'll, we'll get real glad because we know that God, he gave what we craved. Um, and, and also some of us will be directed on where to get this thing that we're craving. Cause here's one thing I do know. If you're a person, you've got a craving. And John's best friend, Jesus, he gave what we crave. So, so let's start with the first question. Did you catch who John said his best friend was? John tells us who his best friend has always been throughout eternity. Um, I'll give you the answer on the outset. I'm quoting Dallas Willard, who says, Jesus, John's best friend, is God's eternal fellow and God's own self. That's a beautiful line. He says that Jesus is God's eternal fellow and God's own self. 
in verse 14 and in verse 18, there's, there's this one Greek word. I'm not going to do this often, but we've got to have, I just want to show you this Greek thing right quick. There's one Greek word that's tucked into verse 14 and tucked into verse 18. It's translated two different ways. The Greek word, if you care, is the word monogenes, M-O-N-O-G-E-N-E-S, monogenes. In, in verse 14, it's, it's communicated as of the only son. In verse 18, it's written, it's written as the only God. Uh, some scriptures have it written as the one and only. John 3.16 has it written the only begotten. This is one Greek word, and it's used to communicate both truths, that Jesus is God's eternal fellow and Jesus is God's own self. So, so, so when it's used to, when it's used to nuance and communicate Jesus being God's eternal fellow, it'll be communicated as the only God or the one and only. Some uh, translations will say the, the unique son. It, it, it communicates this idea of Jesus being the one and only son. So there are three times we have recorded where someone walked up to Jesus and they said, Jesus, Jesus, please heal my child. And they'd say this exact phrase. This is my one and only, that same Greek word. This is my one and only child. And they're not communicating just that it's their only child, but they're communicating that it's their, this is their prized possession. This is the treasure of their heart. This is their, their unique child. So, so when John, when, when John and when the scriptures communicates this, it's saying that Jesus, he's the, the unique son of God. God's prized possession. God's only unique child. He's God's eternal fellow. But then it's used to communicate Jesus being God's own self. This is when the scripture uh, translates it as the begotten. Some of you, you've, you've learned scriptures where they refer to Jesus as the begotten. Uh, the church throughout history has used this phrase to describe Jesus being God's own self. For instance, there's a church creed where it says Jesus' beautiful line is, God from God, light from light. They're, they're describing what it means for Jesus to be the begotten, saying God is the light, and Jesus is also the light coming from the light. God is shining bright as the light, and Jesus is coming from the light, shining as the light. Jesus is God from God. He's God's own self. John, who's your best friend? Jerron, he's nothing less than God himself. So let's have a quick pastor to people moment, pastor to the people of Christ Church, pastor to people visiting with us, pastor to people who know Jesus, pastor to people who are still questioning Jesus. Listen, if he's God's own self, the end goal is nothing less than your everything. He, he, he definitely makes room for the journey of getting to know him and come to the place of belief. But listen to me. He's not playing a game of teeter tottering. You can't halfway with it, halfway it with this man. You can't just fit this man into your life. You can't just fit this man into your schedule. He says, I am your life. I am your schedule. I am your God. I'm everything. And I want your everything. John, who's your best friend? He's always been God. Did you catch what John said they used to call his best friend? So, so to get this, I, I want to paint a picture for you of how God has historically worked. Um, I thought this week about how many of your lives would be ruined if Google shut down. There are at least 10 of you in here who'd lose your lives if Google went down. You, you, you call people through Google Voice. You, you, you message people through Gmail. You, you, I talked to someone during the last meeting, you students, you, 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 you research all the answers to your homework on Google. 
Um, there's some of you, I don't know, walk your dog through Google somehow. You do a whole lot of stuff through Google. You, you like to work through Google. All of the work you do is through Google. You, you search the Old Testament, and there's a clear picture painted that God likes to work through his word. God likes to work with his word. Genesis 1, when God wanted to create everything, what did he do? He spoke. Jeremiah 7, Jeremiah, Jeremiah said, God revealed things to me. What did he do? He spoke. Psalm 107, God delivered people. What did he do? He spoke. God likes to work with his word. So, so fast forward throughout history, Jesus has come, he's died, he's rose, he's gone to heaven, and John and his boys, under the inspiration and influence of the Holy Spirit, are thinking about their friend Jesus, and they said, the way we saw God work through him, he's nothing less than the word. Jesus is the word that God likes to work through. Jesus is the word that God likes to work through. Jesus is the word that God likes to work through. This is what John says in, in, in earlier in the chapter that he read, where he said, All things were created through him, and there's not a thing that was made that was made without him. When God created, he worked through Jesus. This is what Paul says in Colossians when he says the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. And through, through, through Jesus was reconciling all things to himself. When God reconciles, he works through Jesus. Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says, praise God who gives us victory through Jesus, when God gives victory, it's through Jesus. Jesus is the word that God likes to work through. That's why John throws that title on him in this text that we just read. He's saying, God works through Jesus. So let me tell you about my friend um, Aaron Tanif when we called him AT in high school. Um, whenever any of us wanted to party, uh, we're calling AT. He's the person we called. A- AT, he, he, he knew about every party. He was about every party. He, he was at every party. He was facilitating almost every party. So whenever we wanted to party, we'd just call him because we knew wherever he was, the party was. Because what he was doing was partying. So it'd be Friday night. I'd say, Aaron, what do you got going on? Aaron, what are you doing? Because once again, wherever he was, the party was. And whatever he was doing was the party. That's how you ought to look at Jesus when it comes to God's work. You, you want to see God's work in you? Ask where Jesus is. You want to see God's work through you? Ask where Jesus is. You want to see God's work around you? Ask what, where Jesus is. Because wherever Jesus is, God's good work is being done. And whatever Jesus is doing is God's good work. Listen, some of you have a heart for a certain group of people. Some of you Bible college students are saying, I'm going to go to the mission field or I'm going to go to this place. Some of you parents are thinking about your kids. Some, some of you people are saying, I want to go into social work or Christ kids workers. Come here. You want to see God's good work in our children. Listen, as we go into the new year and you're thinking about seeing God's good work in these people that you care for, for don't start with your vision board. Take a step back. I told this to our leaders on Sunday. We take a step back and we say, Jesus, what are you doing? Amen. Jesus, where are you at? Because because I, I know you are doing God's good work and I'm not going to do my own thing. I'm going to jump on board with what you're doing. And when I jump on board with what you're doing, I'll see God's good work around me. I'll see God's good work in me. Jesus, Jesus, when he was 12, he did something I'd never do. He talked back to his mom one time, but it's OK because he's God. And he said, woman, which I wouldn't do that either. Um, woman. Don't you know I ought to be about my father's business? Where's Jesus doing the father's work? See, you ought, 
you want to see God's good work, ask where Jesus is. John, what do you call your best friend? We call him the Word, because he's who God likes to work through. Well then, John, what, what, what's the specific work that you're describing in this passage? What's the work that God did in this one? Oh, John says, that's easy. Uh, there's a woman named Joan Osborne who's famous for asking the question, what if God was one of us? Great question, Joan, but we know. He became one of us. John says, what, what did he do? He says, the word, God became flesh. That, 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 that word flesh, it communicates humanity. We, we don't hear the word became flesh and hear God put on a shell. No, we hear the word became flesh and hear God became human. All human. There's a man, man named Cyril of Alexandria. He's a man from Africa who a long time ago helped shape the Christian thought process. And he says this, talking about Jesus, he says, he was made like in all things to humans without sin alone. In other words, whatever it means to be human is what God in Christ became minus the sinning. He, he's all human. Jesus is all God. Jesus is fully God who became fully man. There's another man, Augustine. He, he accidentally preached a Christmas sermon once. I don't even think this was Christmas time when he was preaching it, but he has this poem I want to read to you, um, painting a picture of this. He says, the word of the Father, by whom all time was created, was made flesh and was born in time for us. He, without whose divine permission no day could complete its course, wished to have one day set aside for his human birth. In the bosom of his father, he existed before all the cycles of ages, born, an earthly, born of an earthly mother. He entered upon the course of the years of this day. The maker of man became man, that he, ruler of the stars, might be nourished at the breast, that he, the bread, might be hungry, that he, the fountain, might thirst, that he, the light, might sleep, that he, the way, might be wearied by the journey, that he, the truth, might be accused by false witness, that he, the judge of the living and the dead, might be brought to trial by a mortal mortal judge, that he, justice, might be condemned by the unjust, that he, the teacher, might be scourged with whips, that he, the vine, might be crowned with thorns, that he, the foundation, might be suspended upon a cross, that he, the strength might be weakened, that he who makes well might be wounded, that life might die. To endure those and these to endure these and similar indignities for us, to free us unworthy creatures. He who existed as the son of God before all ages, without a beginning, deemed to become the son of man in these recent years. He did this, although he who submitted to such great evils for our sake had done no evil. And although we who were the recipients of so much good at his hands, had done nothing to merit these benefits. Begotten by the Father, he was he was not made by the Father, he was made man in the mother whom he himself had made, so that he might exist here for a while, sprung from, from her who could never and nowhere have existed except through his own power. The, the picture he's trying to paint is that this dude that's all God fully lived that human life. This is why John says, and he dwelt among us. He, he became like us and lived with us. But I, I read in a book, someone said that being understood is one of the greatest breaths of fresh air, and I agree with it. So let me, let, let's have a time of just, whew. here's why. Because Jesus understands what it's like to live the human life. You tired? Lonely? Discouraged, sleepless, 
feel a little abandoned. You're feeling the human weight. Listen, Jesus isn't scolding you. Jesus isn't distant. Jesus is looking at you and he says, I know. I know. He's the only person who can say, I understand. And because of that, we don't have a great high priest who's unable to sympathize with us with our weakness. But because he because he became like us in every way, because he lived that life, because he even went through temptation. He says, come so I can help you. This holiday season, he says, come so I can help you. There are some of us who are dealing with the, the emotional swings of the holiday season. He says, come so I can help you. Some of you are confused right now with family drama. He says, come so I can help you. He says, I know. John, what did he do? He, he became a man. But John, what did he do when he did what he did? That's the question we all came to ask. What did he do when he did what he did? Uh, John says, he, he gave knowledge of God. That's why John says he dwelt among us and we've seen his glory. Glory is the visible display of who God is. John said, we saw him visibly display himself. John, what, can you tell me more about this visibly, this visible display of himself? He says, it's glory as of the glory of the only son from the father. You, you've heard the statement, the apple doesn't fall from the tree. When John says it's the glory as of the only son from the father, John's saying the apple didn't fall off of the tree. Meaning when you see the visible manifest of Jesus, you're looking at the visible manifestation of God himself. Then John says, full of grace and truth. It can be summarized as grace and truth. It can be characterized as grace and truth. And you all remember the summer series that we went through Exodus, Exodus 33. Moses said, God, let me see your glory. Let me see you visibly display yourself. And God said, I'm not going to let you see it, but I'll tell you about it. God took Moses to a mountain and he said, the Lord, the Lord. Merciful and gracious, full of steadfast love and faithfulness. There are a lot of Bible commentators who think that this concept, grace and truth, is John's way of summarizing what God described to Moses. So in, in other words, John is saying Jesus displayed with God what God described to Moses. Moses only heard what Jesus is actually visibly displaying to us. And then John summarizes and he says, no one has ever seen God. But the only God who's at God's side, who knows God the best, has made him known. What did he do when he did what he did? He he revealed God. You remember in Wizard of Oz when they finally got to the end of the yellow brick road and got into that big old scary castle with the flying monkeys and, and they got into the room and, and they're talking to Oz and they see smoke and lightning and shadows and all they hear is a voice and then finally the ugly little dog goes and pulls that curtain back and they finally see God. Toto pulled back the curtain. This is this concept of revelation. Jesus, he pulled back the curtain. One of the many differences between God and Oz is that God doesn't let us down when we actually see who he is. He's better than we thought who he was. Jesus, he pulls back the curtain. I'm going to say this probably about once a month to us until we get it. Not until we get it. I'm just going to keep saying it. You will never know God by reason. It's only revelation. Specifically revelation in Jesus. God reveals himself through nature. God reveals himself generally. But listen, the clearest, the only special revelation, the only full revelation is through Jesus himself. 
You can't reason this. He's got to show them to you. I heard a guy say all theological reflection has to begin with Jesus. Jerron, make that plain. Whatever idea you conceive about God has to start with Jesus. Whatever sentence you say about God has to come from Jesus. If it's anything in relationship to God, it's got to come from Jesus. He reveals God. But you, you, you search through John and you'll see that this knowledge that Jesus gives is deeper than the head. As John progresses, this knowledge is is not just a head knowledge. So this whole long three week sermon was inspired by a few books. Um, and I pulled some quotes that I was going to use in this sermon. And I had about three and I couldn't make up my mind on which one to use. So I'm going to use all three. Um, so here you go. Here's um, three quotes. Um, Marcus, Peter and Clark Johnson, I believe, or Clark Johnson and or Clark, Peter, and Marcus, something. Um, they said this uh, great book. It's called The Incarnation of God, if you want to buy it. Um, Jesus did not come to dispense arcane, previously unknown, hidden factoids about God that we are to mentally appropriate. Rather, the Son of God came to share with us his knowledge of God, his Father. He came, in other words, to incorporate us into his, look at these words, experiential, relational knowledge of the Father, through the spirit to share the intimacy. Look at that word intimacy, not information to share the intimacy that characterizes their knowing of one another. The knowledge of which Jesus speaks is not speculative, theoretical or philosophical knowledge, but the intimate fellowship he has eternally enjoyed in relationship to the father and the spirit. There's a man named Herman Bavnik going to the next one. He says this indeed, To know God does not consist of knowing a great deal about him, but of this, rather that we have seen him in the person of Christ, that we've seen him in the person of Christ, that we have encountered him on our life's way, and that in the experience of our soul, we have come to know his virtues, his righteousness and holiness, his compassion and his grace. And then Bavnik, a little bit later in this chapter, he says this. He tells us exactly who Jesus is. And this is what John is saying. Christ is God expressed and God given. He's God revealing himself and God sharing himself. John, what did your best friend do when he did what he did? Jesus is God who gives revelation of God, but also brings us into relationship with God. You you know what it's like to meet somebody for the first time, don't you? Finally. So there's this author, um, this, that well, he's not an author. He's a, he was a pastor and now he leads a bunch of churches, um, and has helped a bunch of churches. And he's been really influential for me in knowing what it means to build and pastor the church. So I, for years, I was like consuming everything he was writing. I was streaming his conferences, watching his sermons. I'm like, this dude is everything. Well, not everything. Jesus is everything, but this dude is great. And then December 2nd, I got a text from a homeboy in town um, who works at another church here. And he said, hey, this guy is coming to Joplin um, to interview someone to be a youth internship at his church. But he also wants to talk to you about being the teaching pastor at his church. You want to meet him? And I text back and I said, I'm not interested at all in the job, but I'd love to talk to him if he'd do that. Um, and he said, let me see what I can do. And a week later, he said, hey, he's going to come to town tomorrow to meet you just to chat. Just wanted to chit chat. My homeboy got this man who I admired for years to drive from Little Rock, Arkansas to Joplin, drive down Main Street, park at Bearded Lady, buy a cup of coffee, sit down across the table and talk to me. And then after that, 
He drove down Main Street, turned on 7th Street, parked at Woody's Woodfire Pizza, reopened. Shout out Woody's. This is free advertisement um, if you want good pizza. Parked at Woody's, got inside, ordered a Coke, and talked to me? Y'all, we cool now. Like, we're cool. I've got his number in my phone now. Like, we text. No biggie at all. No biggie at all. Weird flex. Um, like, 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 no, no, no. He listens to my sermons. He calls me Jaron and not Jaron. <laughs> like, like, we cool, cool. I text Chelsea and I was like, this changes everything. I know him now. Because one of my homeboys hooked me up with him. John, 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 what are you saying? What did he do when he did what he did? He's saying, Jesus hooked you up with God. Okay, okay, that one didn't work that well. Um, here's another one. You know what it's like to finally taste a food that you'd only been told about, right? Uh, there's a big artillery base outside of my hometown, one of the biggest in the world. So a lot of military people, my family ended up in Lawton because of this military base. Um, so most of my family has been in the, in the military. Um, and growing up when I was in about the third grade, my favorite aunt, her and her husband and my cousins were stationed in Stuttgart, Germany. Um, so this was before I had the guts to get on a plane. So we only talked over the phone. And she described this wonderful wonderland that is Germany to me and all the magical stuff they had going on in Europe. And she described this thing to me. Some of y'all know what this is called a kinder egg. You ever heard of that? So, so, so we're on the phone and she's telling me it's chocolate and it's an egg. But that's not it. Because on the inside of that egg is a toy. My seven-year-old brain didn't, didn't, didn't have the capacity to contain the thought of my two favorite things, a chocolate and toy, in one, like Happy Meal without the burger. Like, so I'm like, what is this? Never had one, though, because, of course, Germany, and I was in Lawton. And then she came home for Christmas one time, and she pulled out this weird-looking egg carton thing and opened up a whole carton of Kinder Eggs. My life was changed. She came to Lawton so I could get a taste of what she'd only been telling me about. That's what John's saying happened to Jesus. Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. John is saying, God became a human, came and lived with us, not just to tell us about the good Lord, but to give us a taste of the Lord's goodness. BT dubs, he is the good Lord whose goodness we taste. John says, run through my gospel. He says, I tasted his provision when he fed 5,000. John says, I tasted his authority when he told a dead man to get up. John says, I tasted his love when for me he died. John said, I tasted his power when he rose and now he forever lives. John says, he came so I could taste the goodness of God. He's not the only one. You've heard me tell my story. Uh, Lawton, Oklahoma, Agape Faith Worship Center, southeast side of Lawton, Oklahoma. It was just going to be a normal Sunday, a normal Sunday of getting up to go to church at 7 to have a pre-church prayer meeting, then have Sunday school at 9, then church start at 10, then worship go till 2, then the sermon start at 2.15, maybe. Then, then we go to youth church, then youth church is over, then I'm waiting in the car for two hours until my grandmother comes outside, so we can go eat a late lunch just to come back for prayer meeting. And at some point, I'm going home to get ready for school in the next morning. So I'm just waiting for a normal day. And then 
we walk into youth church and the woman leading our youth group at the time um, who spoke a lot of words over me that just I'm looking back. They all made sense. And a lot of them like played out. But at the time, just, and she she had the lights dimmed in that room and she had this song. Um, it's by a group named Shekinah Glory called Yes, You Should Listen to It. It's great. And she sat us down and she said, one of y'all is getting saved today. And she said, I'm going to preach this gospel. And when God saves you, come up here. We want to pray with you and celebrate with you. So me, I sat back and was like, it ain't going to be me. I'm going to get through this and mind my business. And Jesus is going to get through this and mind his business. I grew up in church enough to have dodged the altar calls. So I just sat back and I thought, which one of these clowns is actually going to fall for this? I was the clown. like two sentences into her talk, and she hadn't even got through the whole gospel yet. I think she just said Jesus came, and I felt this pull. And then two minutes later, my heart starts. Forty-five minutes later, I find myself at the front of the room getting up, drying tears. Don't even know how I got there. And as I'm getting up, the pastor's wife comes from uh, the auditorium and runs into the youth room straight to me and says, God just wants you to be his child. I went home, and I was like, what? happened. 15 year old me couldn't still couldn't explain what actually happened. But what I could tell you is for the first time I tasted the touch of my heavenly father. And it didn't stop there. I tasted his patience as he watched me wild out through high school and college. I tasted his providence as I've looked back and saw him weave my life from partying in Lawton to pastoring in Joplin. I, I taste his provision every night when I lay down on a pillow and wake up in the morning, not not wondering where my next meal is going to come from. I've tasted the goodness of God. That's just not my story. Ever, almost everyone in this room can raise their hand and say, I tasted his power. I tasted his patience. I tasted his forgiveness. I tasted his grace. I, I've tasted, I've known, I, I, I've tasted a love that's sweeter than anything I've ever known. I've tasted things that are indescribable. I, I, I just know what it tastes like, but I can't tell you what it is. But I've tasted God's goodness. Why? Because he came. Not just to tell you, but to give you a taste. Th- this is what you're craving. This is what you're made for. The taste buds of your soul are saying, I need to know God. No, nothing else. You, we, we, our society has raised up other things because our faculties, our taste buds are, they're, they're meant to, they're meant to connect to God. And, and when we're unclear of what they're meant to connect to, we reach for other things like we'll reach for, we'll reach for higher knowledges of like, maybe if we just make scientific advances and philosophical advances, then we as a people will progress and be good and happy. We know so much. You have literally everything at your fingertips. And guess what? We're all dissatisfied. We're all sad. We're all anxious. We're all depressed. We have all of this information and nothing's changed. It's not just that. We'll, 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 We'll say things. This is a big one in circles I'm around now. Of You just need to educate yourself on the realities of what's going on in this country. Friends, we know the imprint racism is put on this country and we're still evil. You've been in churches where we've lifted up just just head knowledge, memorize more scripture, no more facts, get these doctrines down. There are a whole lot of people who know a whole lot of stuff, are dissatisfied, don't know God and are living like hell. Those things aren't bad. They're just not it. 
What you need is relational knowledge. You've heard me quote this before, and I'll keep quoting it probably until I croak over and die in this pulpit. I hope I didn't prophesy that (laughs) until I whisk off happily. Oh, Lord, you, you've made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they found their rest in you. He's saying what you were made for is to know God. And Jesus gave what you were made for. And it's in that where everything else makes sense. It's when we know God who who wrote the laws of nature that science actually tells the true story. It's when we know the God in whose image we were made in that we know what it means to be us. It's when we know the God who created nature, we can actually hear the song that it's singing about him. It's God who makes all that make sense. You know people who have tried to do this without actually knowing God. I know people who have tried to do this without actually knowing God. I've got friends who've grown up in this church thing. They knew what scriptures memorized, they never knew God. They even knew how to tithe faithfully. Didn't know God. Life came. They got tired. They got hurt. They got burnt. And that head knowledge wasn't enough. They didn't actually know him. The goal can't just be to know stuff. It's got to be to know him. Youth group, this, this is the goal. This is why we do youth group. Games are fun. Cool. Play games. Snacks are good. I love snacks. Memorizing stuff, great. Cool. That's not the goal. The goal is for you to know him. Christchurch, do you know why I get up here and talk like this every day? Cool. I think I'm funny. I like to tell stories. It's not the goal. I don't care about making you laugh nearly as much as I care about you knowing God. That's the goal. This is why we're here. It's to know him. This is what we're made for. And he gives it to us. What do we do? Let's just receive it. I can't put a principle or a 10 step on this thing. This is a relationship. You, you know Jesus, you know God, you have Jesus, you have God, you relate to Jesus, you're relating to God. If, if I give you anything, I mean, all relationship just basically starts with conversation. So if anything, just talk to Jesus. Just talk to him. Christchurch Christians, I'll say this to us the strongest. Talk to him actually. Like, like we don't gather just to sing along with the words on the screen. We can go do karaoke on Fridays if that's what we're doing. No, no, actually talk to him. Yeah. Don't, don't reduce scripture reading to just memorizing words. No, no. when the scripture testifies to him, pick your head up and talk to him. Just talk to him. Some of you, you haven't learned, you're, you, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian yet. You, you can start talking to him too. I've heard stories of people who've been just all alone and saying, if you're actually you, can you like help me? <laughs> and he answered. Just talk to him where you're at. He wants to hear you. John, 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 what did he do when he did what he did? He, He gave us a relationship with God. Let's say it this way. John says, my best friend came so you could be friends with God. Ain't nothing better than that. Nothing. Let's stand. Jesus, we thank you for what you've given us. We praise you for this grace. 
this wasn't our idea, this was yours. This wasn't reluctant. You did this with joy. You did this out of your own initiative, out of your own purpose. You, you want us to know you. To actually live life with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. People here who aren't living life with you, Jesus, I ask that you show them who you are. Show them how good it is. Draw them in close. People who question if you want to, if you actually want them, convince them that you do want them. And those of us who've been with you, Lord, never let this become casual, normal. We don't want to get used to this, that we, that we actually know you. We want to, we want to exalt in this and glory in this and rejoice in knowing you, Jesus. We thank you. Amen.